Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned on the fasten seatbelt sign. We're now crossing a zone of turbulence. Please return your seats and food trays to their upright position and make sure your carry-on luggage is safely stowed. You're about to leave everything you know behind. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Strange Planet. Thanks for inviting me into your home, your long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' well-appointed basement with the electric fireplace, simulated wood paneling, and the painting of dogs playing poker, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Carlos Kajina is my technical producer, and Ryan White is the live stream producer. Check out my YouTube and Rumble channel, Strange Planet. This hour, do we have UFOs flying over Canadian nuclear facilities? Have a listen to this question from Manitoba MP Larry McGuire to the Deputy Minister of Natural Resources during a standing committee parliamentary hearing. So in January, the Swedish security program service rather announced an investigation of drones at three of their nuclear power plants. They have also been reported uh, reports over the years of other unknown drone type flying objects flying over Canadian nuclear facilities. Uh, in the security that we're in today, and it's been recently announced in the United States, legislation has just passed in their National Defense Authority Act, Authorization Act, rather, for the Nuclear Regulatory Commission to report the, quote, number of incidents and descriptions thereof of unidentified aerial phenomena or drones of unknown origin association with nuclear power generation stations, nuclear fuel storage sites, or facilities regulated by the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, end quote. So I'm just wondering if any of the department officials are aware of the legislation that was just passed in the U.S. Congress regarding these specific clauses. Uh, thank you very much, Mr. Chair, for the question. I, I must admit I am not familiar with that. I can say, however, that overall security of the of our nuclear facilities is obviously something that's of extraordinary importance, um, including through the, the regulators' functions. Thanks. Uh, I'll, I'll send you the information. Yeah, we'll make it available to you. And have you received reports on these drones uh, or unidentified aerial phenomena near Canadian nuclear facilities? I have not. Um, so, I guess, uh, can you ask your officials to inquire and report back to the committee in writing uh, anything they know about them? We can do so. Okay, yes. thank you. And are reports of violations reported in and around nuclear facilities publicly disclosed? I, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Chair, perhaps I could turn to one of my colleagues who is more directly responsible for nuclear. Uh, uh, Molly Johnson may have more detailed information with respect to that question. Molly? Thank you, and, and thanks for the question. Thank you, Mr. Chair. So I, I would say that um, the security and safety and security is, of course, the one of the top priorities, and we're considering nuclear. The the we can check and confirm on the drone issue specifically and uh, the reporting that's available and get back to you. Uh, with its allies, with partners in, of the United States, as appropriate to better assess the nature and extent of unidentified aerial phenomena. I believe it would be prudent for the Atomic Energy of Canada to proactively reach out to their American counterparts to discuss this legislation and to inquire how they are handling these reports and investigations. Would you be open to reaching out to the, nu the American Nuclear Regulatory Commission to start this important conversation? I certainly take that under advisement. Here to discuss is a good friend of the program, Victor Vigiani. His research and analysis of anomalous aerial phenomenon spans well over 30 years. His experience involves UFO sightings, report investigation, counseling work with individuals reporting anomalous experiences, presentations, and journalism in the field of ETI disclosure issues. He's also the executive director of Zeland Communications. Victor, welcome back. Great to be with you, Richard, as always. When we think about UFO incursions over nuclear facilities, we think of 1967 and the U.S., Malmstrom Air Force Base. Uh, we mm -hmm. think of the work of Robert Hastings discussing numerous UFO incursions over nuclear facilities back in 1967. And now it seems to be happening here. So tell me about this parliamentary committee hearing involving a, a Manitoba member of parliament, Larry McGuire. Set the stage for us. Yeah, well, essentially, your your comparison with the uh, 
the Maelstrom Air Force Base uh, situation and many other nuclear Air Force Base or installations or launch facilities is probably a better word in the United States. Uh, that, that's well documented. Uh, Robert Salas, as you know, along with his cohorts who were the assistant launch commanders there, had experiences where UFOs, UAP, would you want to call them, were hovering over, actually hovering over in a physical form, a large physical form over the nuclear launch facility itself, uh, over the security gates, and then proceeded to uh, shut down the actual missiles. Went to, the, the missiles went into a, what's called a no-go situation, so they were unlaunchable for, for quite a while, and they brought them back, on, uh, back online eventually. Uh, now, this situation that we're going to be describing uh, this evening, Richard, is, is a little bit different. Uh, as you know, as most of your listeners know, that, that Canada does not have any nuclear missile silos on, on our territory. Uh, but we do have uh, nuclear uh, facilities. There's uh, 19 nuclear reactors in Canada uh, spread between Ontario and New Brunswick. And what this situation is, the MP Larry McGuire outlined, was he had received reports, and we can get into this a little bit later, that the, the Swedish government, they were investigating their own uh, situations, three situations where their nuclear energy facilities, not their missiles, but their uh, nuclear energy facilities were um, overflown by some kind of drone, unknown craft, or UFO, or UAP. Take your pick. Uh, that's that's the whole scenario uh, at, at, at this point. Now, that's what McGuire um, mentioned at the onset of the, of the committee meeting. And then he went on to describe that... Uh, three of our or several more of our nuclear facilities in Pickering uh, and possibly others have had experiences. People have reported unknown objects, drones or UAP, whatever you want to call them, uh, over our nuclear reactors. So that's that sets the stage for what we're reporting. There's nothing to do with nuclear <laughs> missiles or anything like that, but these things have been seen by individuals, by, by a pilot and by other citizens uh, actually over... Uh, the areas of our nuclear energy facility. So that's the kind of thing that we're going to be talking about this evening. So that's, that sort of sets the stage as to the, the comparison between the two. Again, Canadian Member of Parliament, Larry McGuire, he heard from authorities in Sweden about incursions there, and that's what prompted him to bring this question up uh, before a, a parliamentary hearing? Yes, that and the reports from uh, a Canadian UFO researcher, I believe uh, there were seven reports that were brought to his attention, brought to his office's attention about these unknown objects flying over our nuclear facility. So these things were brought to his attention uh, with respect to what had happened here in Canada. And it was something that happened. Uh, well, the meeting occurred on March the second of this just uh, you know this past this past month this month. And um, when he got those, I'm not sure, but it, you can you can bet that he did receive them probably anywhere between January uh, or, or mid February. Now I know this because I've had discussions with the office with a staff assistant in. Uh, MP McGuire's office, and he's right up to speed with uh, the kinds of reports that were coming out of Sweden, uh, very aware of all of those things. And second of all, uh, he was uh, given information from this UFO researcher here in Canada uh, about the uh, three incidents or or more uh, incidents of these drones or UAP or whatever you want to call them, overflying, uh, pickering uh, the Bruce installation, and possibly one other one in New Brunswick. So that's where he got the information from. And then, I suppose, he made the decision to, uh, because he's the vice chair of the Standing Committee of Natural Resources, he wanted to address this issue with the Deputy Minister of Natural Resources, John Hannaford. And that's what he did in the video uh, that's available on the Zealand Communications website. So that, that's where it stands. That's, that's how we got the information. And there are other background bits of information that we can get into a little bit later on if you want. Right. And a little bit later, we'll also play uh, a clip from that Standing Committee on Natural Resources where we hear Canadian Member of Parliament Larry McGuire asking uh, the, that question about the reports of uh, drones or UAPs over nuclear uh, power plants to the Deputy Minister of Resources, John Hannaford, who then later hands it off to uh, another 
um, natural Molly Johnson, resource, Molly Johnson yeah. natural yeah. resources official because he wasn't able to mm-hmm. answer the question. Neither of them really had much to say on the matter. Um, right. but let me just back up. So okay. these reports that McGuire received, one, again, uh, from Sweden, and then another from a UFO researcher here in Canada. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the reports from Canada, mm-hmm. can you go into some detail as to what this UFO researcher uh, reported to McGuire? Like uh, you mentioned Pickering, maybe one in New Brunswick, but mm-hmm. the nature mm-hmm. of these incursions, what did these craft look like, anything like that? Well, essentially, for example, the one in, uh, in New Brunswick, in St. John, New Brunswick, near the power facility at Le Pro, uh, in New Brunswick, it basically says my wife and I were in our backyard having a bonfire, and the sky was clear. And all we see is these uh, these lights sort of hovering uh, over the facility itself, and basically they're white lights, very very clearly luminescent, and just hovering. And they, they watched as they headed uh, out over the trees and, and moved in a very deliberate way uh, over, over the installations that were there. Uh, and so it, it's, they were really kind of, he used the word blazing across the sky. And, uh, and, and then it sort of stopped, okay? And so that's an indication of, of, of one of them. Uh, the, the one over the Pickering nuclear installation just here in Toronto, n- near outside of Toronto in Ontario, uh, it was four or five orange lights, very slowly moving uh, at a time. It came from uh, above the trees and then behind the nuclear plant itself. And then they would uh, go into the sky and then they would just vanish and then they would reappear again. So it was very kind of intermittent. But then it came back, in his words, it came back twice. And uh, they were all lined up, uh, four in a row to a certain place beyond the sky, and then they would, again, they would vanish. So these are, these two incidents, and there are, I could go into more, but it, it kind of gives, uh, gives you a flavor of the kinds of things that people are independently seeing. And it, I must add that these individuals, they just report these things. They're not experts. They're not uh, uh, people who, who know ex- what's going on. They may not even have any knowledge of the UFO issue at all, but they found it within their means to report this uh, to the UFO uh, Researcher that, uh, that that made these things clear to uh, to MP McGuire, and and how did the how, how did these reports end up on the desk of the UFO researcher? Did, did, did these were these reported to I don't know the the, the local uh, the, the airport or to the Canadian Atomic Agency? How how were they? How how was they, this? What's the chain okay. of command here? Uh, okay, they were reported to the uh, University of Manitoba. Who um, uh, I, I believe under the under the direction of Chris Rutkowski, uh, who has a compendium of UFO reports, and he does um, publish the Canadian UFO report on a regular basis. So he has a huge compendium of current and old older uh, UFO reports, and the ones that that I've seen, the three that I've seen, were part of the University of Manitoba uh, collection or data data file. So these were. Um, given to somehow transfer to uh, Larry uh, Larry McGuire's office, who is a, an MP of Manitoba. Uh, he's he represents Brandon Suri in uh, in Manitoba. So they found their way onto his desk through, I suppose, uh, his office, and uh, he picked up on them and then began to look at not only how he would present these things to the uh, to the uh, to the committee because him being the, the vice chair of the committee, but also uh, bringing in the context of how the United States uh, might be also involved in this situation in, in, a, in a parallel manner. And that's how, he went, that's how he approached it in the committee setting. He asked the minister, are you aware of any uh, citing reports regarding unidentified craft over nuclear installations, nuclear facilities. And the minister replied, no, I'm not. I'm not aware of any. And then he asked, uh, are these things, any, any of these reports made public? And he had no answer for that question either. And then, really interestingly, uh, Richard, then um, McGuire asked uh, the deputy minister, was he aware of the the National um, uh, Authorization Act from the Defense Department in the United States that's been recently signed by President Biden, directing the director of national intelligence to report on um, UAP incursions over nuclear installations uh, of, of all kinds? 
within the United States. And the deputy minister said, no, I have no, no, I have no, I'm not aware of that at all. So on all counts, our natural uh, resources minister, ministry does not know, or they're saying that they don't know anything about these situations. So that's the larger context of that. And following all that, McGuire demanded and requested, as uh, people will see through the video if they wish to go to my our website, he wanted a full report about this. Would you please get us up to speed about what you know about this? And the minister, the deputy minister, says, "Yes, we will provide you with that, uh, with that, uh, with that report." And also, and McGuire, which I think is really interesting, he provided, and he said in the committee meeting, he provided or would provide the minister with a, a lengthy explanation of all of this information regarding these these reports of UAP over the facilities, in addition to the context and the text of the National Authorization Act, <clears throat> excuse me, in, in, in the United States, which the minister was unaware of. So he caught everybody completely flat-footed, and we're waiting for the report from the deputy minister, but on the records on our website, uh, at Communications, there's a full letter, a complete letter from uh, McGuire to Hannaford regarding all of the situations that occurred during the meeting. In addition, he's got lots of other information regarding the National Disclosure Act. And in addition to that, and get this one, and for people who are in tune with all of this, uh, Larry Maguire, the minister, an MP from Canada, has been briefed by former Pentagon official Luis Elizondo on this issue. Uh, Luis Elizondo, a, who, who ran the... Uh, ATIP, uh, the Advanced Aerial Threat Identification uh, Program out of, this, out of the Pentagon. This was the secret UFO program that was funded at the behest of uh, the late Senator Harry Reid. Right. Uh, and that, that became public when Elizondo uh, left ATIP, I guess resigned because of the lack of transparency. Then he went to Leslie Kane and um, Mr. Blumenthal. Was it Blumenthal? Uh, That's right. The New York Times. And Helena Cooper. Yep. And uh, Helena Cooper, who is the uh, Pentagon uh, Bureau reporter. And they wrote this piece in the uh, December 2017 New York Times that uh, really changed the uh, whole trajectory, I guess, of UFO disclosure. I mean, that was a, was a high right. watermark. So Elizondo mm-hmm. and Larry McGuire got together. We'll, we'll probably come back to that. I just had a couple more questions mm-hmm. regarding mm-hmm. the sure. initial reports of these UAPs, drones, uh, over... Canadian nuclear facilities, Ontario, mm-hmm. New Brunswick. Do we have a time frame? When did these occur? Yeah, uh, the one, let me go back here. The one in uh, over Pickering here in Ontario was May 24th, 2021 at around 9.30 in the evening. Uh, that, that was the, the one that was uh, cataloged there. And the one uh, over the Bruce Power Facility outside of Port Elgin, Ontario, that was on March 1st, 2021. So you can see these are fairly recent. And the other one in New Brunswick, uh, if I can get my facts here, was March 28th, 2020 at 11.45 in the evening. So uh, you can see that, uh, you know, that these are very recent situations. And I might add, too, uh, going back even historically, which is, you know, a long time ago comparatively, in January of 2011, the one in New Brunswick uh, in, at the Pro Power Facility was reported at 11.45 p.m. with lights of many, many different flashing colors. So there's the context of the timeline of, of involved here. So this is... a a little bit older information, 2011, and also some relatively new information from 2020 to 2021. I would imagine that the airspace over, even though these are not nuclear missile sites, they are still nuclear facilities, nuclear power plants, that the airspace around a nuclear power plant would be severely restricted. And so I'm curious as to whether... um, I mean, these eyewitness reports found their way to the University of uh, Manitoba. Hmm. Uh, but I'm curious as to why they would have, that would have been their, 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 uh, their choice to report these. Wouldn't they, you would think they would, I don't know, the, the, um, the RCMP or something. But why the University of Manitoba, do you suppose, given the sensitivity of that airspace? 
why the University of Manitoba got these things? Or uh, why the, the report, yeah, why the reports went there first, or did they go there first? That, that's my understanding, yes, yeah. because uh, the, the University of Manitoba has, uh, under uh, Jeff Dittman and Chris Gretkowski, they do all of the collection of, uh, of UFO reports. So what might happen, for example, and I'm just guessing on this one, mm-hmm. what might happen would be uh, the RCMP, you know, somebody calls the RCMP from Pickering and says, I just saw some crazy lights in the sky. Oh, here, send it to the University of Manitoba. Or a police force in, 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 you know, in New Brunswick gets a report. They, you know, there's nobody else to report it to. Got and it. Th- so they get it to University of Manitoba. That becomes part of their database. And then um, the, the, they, the University of Manitoba people, I guess at this point, uh, felt it uh, significant enough to put this on the desk of, of Larry McGuire. Right. So because whoever they call, nuclear- wh- whichever authority they call, they're going to direct them to the University of Manitoba. That's interesting. That's generally it, yeah. I want to pick up on that point when we come back. Okay. Okay. Victor Vigiani, Executive Director of Zeland Communications and uh, Zeland News Network, as we talk about UAPs over Canadian nuclear facilities. Back with more in a moment. Stay with us. It's time to try the tea everyone's talking about. Nothing does what Life Change Tea does. They have no competition. Life Change Tea helps support a healthy body. It tastes great and leaves you feeling refreshed every day. I can't get enough of my pomegranate super tea. I brew two gallons at a time and let it steep in the fridge overnight, enough to last me the entire week. And every morning I have a 16-ounce glass of this amazing GMO non-caffeinated herbal tea. It keeps me regular by providing a gentle cleanse every day. I'm never gassy or bloated, and good health begins with a healthy gut. This pomegranate super tea is not available in any store. You need to go to getthetea.com. Go to getthetea.com. Use the code UNLIMITED, and all your orders ship for free. All of them. It's time to get your tea from getthetea.com. You can become an official Patreon supporter of my work here at Strange Planet Productions by donating a monthly amount through patreon.com forward slash strange planet patreon.com forward slash strange planet there are several tiers to choose from pick which one is right for you but any monthly amount is greatly appreciated as a sign of my appreciation you can have your name mentioned on air during my weekly radio show or you could have your name included in a crawl on my youtube channel live stream you could also receive episodes of my old podcast the rock and roll twilight zone this critically acclaimed podcast produced in partnership with chris jericho is not currently available anywhere else. If you enjoy this podcast or my weekly radio program, The Conspiracy Show, you can really get behind me and my work by donating once a month at patreon.com forward slash strange planet, patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned on the fasten seatbelt sign. We're now crossing a zone of turbulence. Please return your seats and food trays to their upright position and make sure your carry-on luggage is safely stowed. You're about to leave everything you know behind. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Strange Planet. So in January, the Swedish Security Program Service rather announced an investigation of drones at three of their nuclear power plants. They have also been reported uh, reports over the years of other unknown drone-type flying objects flying over Canadian nuclear facilities. Uh, in the security that we're in today, and it's been recently announced in the United States, legislation has just passed in their National Defense Authority Act, Authorization Act, rather, for the Nuclear Regulatory Commission to report the, quote, number of incidents and descriptions thereof of unidentified aerial phenomena or drones of unknown origin association with nuclear power generation stations, nuclear fuel storage sites, or facilities regulated by the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, end quote. So I'm just wondering if any of the department officials are aware of the legislation that was just passed in the U.S. Congress regarding these specific clauses. 
thank you very much, Mr. Chair, for the question. I, I must admit I am not familiar with that. I can say, however, that overall security of, the, of our nuclear facilities is obviously something that's of extraordinary importance. UAPs over Canadian nuclear facilities. Victor Vigiani is with us from Zeland News Network and Zeland Communications. So we were talking about how the eyewitness reports of these UAPs or drones or whatever they were. Maybe they called the RCMP. Maybe they called the local police. In any case, they would have been directed then to call the University of Manitoba because that's where the UFO reporting center is, basically. In the United States, they have New Fork, I guess. Right. Uh, But here in Canada, Hmm. yeah, so you call the University of Manitoba. But again, getting back to my original point about this is, I would imagine, incredibly sensitive airspace over a nuclear facility. Even though they're not nuclear missiles, it's a nuclear Mm -hmm. plant. Mm -hmm. You would think that if they called the RCMP, the RCMP would take far greater interest than just, oh, we'll call the University of, of Manitoba. In other words, if I'm with the RCMP, what? You're seeing a drone or something flying over a nuclear plant? You know, I'm going to call the I'm going to call the uh, the appropriate government ministry or or NORAD. Or NORAD. Yeah. Well, you know, I do, I do, I do not and I and I made a very clear statement to uh, the person I spoke with in uh, Larry Larry McGuire's office, okay? And I've had two conversations with him. And he's the he's the staff advisor for for um, for Larry McGuire, the MP. And this young fellow as I mentioned to you earlier, is up to speed on just about everything that I know. And I've, I've been involved in this, as you know, 40 years. This young fellow knew chapter and verse about what I knew. And any name I mentioned to him, any situation, he was right up to speed with all of it. And how much research he's done, what he knows about it as a, an individual person. But he happens to be an extremely knowledgeable person within the Department of Natural Resources under under um, uh, Larry McGuire. Now, I must say that Larry McGuire is not in the Natural Resources Ministry. He is the vice chair of the Parliamentary Committee of Natural Resources. So they're the ones that kind of oversee the Ministry of Natural Resources that uh, the Deputy Minister uh, Hannaford is in charge of. And the, so, and the nuclear and all our nuclear facilities would fall right. under... The Ministry exactly. of Natural Resources. Minerals, forestry, oceans, all of those natural resources, that's under the umbrella of the Ministry of, of Natural Resources. And there's, so there's the Deputy Minister of that and the Minister of that Department of, right. of Natural Resources. So that's a, a, a formal entity within the, like, like the Department of Defense, for example, right. or right. the Department of uh, the Veterans Affairs. Okay, but exterior to that, Parliament has a whole multiplicity of committees that deal with uh, monitoring the uh, the activities of all of the ministries. So uh, Larry McGuire is, in fact, the, the the vice chair of the Parliamentary Committee on Natural Resources, and what he does, and what that 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 committee could do or couldn't do, and and will do, is is um, is question the ministry about well, what are you doing with this, what are you doing with that, how come this is happening? So in this instance, Larry McGuire went after the uh, UAP uh, issue with the deputy minister, so he's questioning him. Uh, on what he knows about the, the these overflights, and it's quite clear that the minister or the deputy minister of natural resources knows nothing about what's going on, or he's right. saying that. Right. But back to my original question, you would think yeah. that whoever received that call from the eyewitnesses, rather right. than just directing them to call the University of Manitoba and kind of dismiss uh, it, like I see. Yeah, yeah. like wait a second, you're well, telling me that there are there are <clears throat> unidentified flying objects, whatever they are, even if it's a drone from a real estate agent flying over highly restricted airspace, a nuclear plant, the first course of action, I would think, is to call, I'd call my superior, say, what do I do with this? Well, call the, let's yeah. call the Ministry of Defense. Let's call Atom- Canadian Atomic Agency. Let's mm-hmm. call somebody. Let's get out there and mm-hmm. see what's going on. Well, you raise an, an excellent point, and, and I go back to my conversations with this individual within Larry McGuire's office. Um, he was very clear that the kinds of things that are reported to them can only exist, and this is a, you know, I'm not being, a, you know, an apologist for the ministry or, the, or that, that committee, is once they get information, they have to stay within the, within the, the rails of that. They don't go to anybody else to say, well, here's what's happening. They just, that's the information that I received from them. But my question would be exactly to, to yours, too, would be, um, let's suppose the RCMP, for example, gets a report of something going on because a citizen calls and says, there's these funny objects flying over the, the Pickering nuclear plant. 
I have a very close confidant, and I'm going to mention his name on air, Dave Scott. Okay, you, you, you may know, know Dave Scott. He's a he's a well uh, well informed, um, excellent researcher. He operates uh, out of British Columbia, Space Out Radio. radio. Yeah, he's a colleague his, of mine uh, at uh, at another right, radio station. Yeah. Now, Dave told me, and I'm sure that he would agree that that this could become public information. That whenever the RCMP and get this, Richard, okay. Um, whenever the RCMP get any kind of report or any other agency within the Canadian government, let's say NORAD or, or, or whatever, as soon as that, those kinds of reports of UAP come into those offices, you know what happens? It goes directly to Cheyenne Mountain, like that. NORAD. Yeah. So you can bet your bottom dollar that maybe these things were reported to the University of Manitoba on the surface of things. But in, in my experience, Experience with this whole issue at the at the upper levels and uh, undercover levels of, of how these things are are made known to um, the you know defense systems that are in operation. They do know about this, and I, I would bet anything that the RCMP got this information and sent it somewhere else other than just the University of Manitoba. So I hope that answers your question, it and does. I, it I'm, does. I'm confident that yeah, I'm confident that that's that that would uh, that that would happen. And so it, it, it occurs to me then that uh, God bless Larry McGuire for bringing this up at a standing committee on natural resources. Um, mm-hmm. But he he received very little in the way of uh, information from the deputy minister of natural resources, John Hannaford, or his other colleague at the Ministry of Natural Resources. Mm-hmm. It would be interesting to see or hear what the answer would have been had MP Larry McGuire been sitting on the standing committee for national defense and ask ah, that question to the Deputy exactly. Minister of National Defense. Well, that would be something that uh, I, I know the Minister of Defense right now uh, is uh, is pounding the war drums of increasing um, uh, Canada's, uh, you know, troop numbers uh, in, in within NATO. Uh, I don't know where their head is at, okay, in terms of all of that with what's going on in the Ukraine right now. But uh, if, if this information, this kind of information, in concert with what's going on in NORAD with respect to the UFO issue, which I'm very well aware of, that NORAD knows about. It is beyond me that the uh, uh, Department of National Defense does not know about uh, the UAP issue. And I think that they would be the next line of, pardon the pun, defense against information that may be internalized by them with respect to the, the UFO issue. And I, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, Richard, that the Department of National Defense is well up to speed about this because anything that goes to NORAD becomes part of the uh, uh, the Department of National Defense. So they know about this issue. There's, no, there's absolutely no doubt about it in my, in my own mind. And the only difference is right now uh, how it's brought forward within committees of the Department of National Defense. And does anybody who's monitoring the Department of National Defense have the chutzpah to stand before the Minister of right. Defense and ask exactly the same questions as Larry McGuire asked the minister or the deputy minister of uh, natural resources. Uh, that 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 should be the next thing that happens. Victor Vigiani is with us from Zeland News Network, Zeland Communications. How do we read your blogs, Victor? Yeah, just uh, just Google zelandcommunications.com and you'll come up with uh, all of my press releases, editorials, and uh, everything that's uh, that's relevant to this issue. Mostly, uh, I deal with the anything that's to do with disclosure and getting information out about this. So, zelandcommunications.com is the place to go for all the the information from a Canadian perspective. And Zeland Communications is the only Canadian news network that deals with this stuff. We'll take a, uh, another time out. When we come back, I want to find out a little bit more about MP Larry McGuire. You mentioned that he met with uh, Luis Eliz- Elizondo. And also, I'm very curious about his parliamentary assistant or um, member of his staff mm-hmm. who seems so up to speed on all issues UFO. I mean, is that, a, is that an accident, a curiosity? We'll, we'll find out. Uh, back with more of our conversation in a few moments. Stay with us. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Follow Richard on Twitter at Richard Serrett. For show information, visit the website strangeplanet.ca. I call it the miracle molecule, carbon-60 or C60 from my good friends at Evo C60. I take a tablespoon every morning. It delivers more than 172 times the power of vitamin C. 
C60 is a known antiviral, antioxidant, antibacterial, anti-inflammatory, and it's a remedy that works. C60 Evo can slow down the aging process by reducing cellular damage. C60 Evo users consistently enjoy better sleep and wake up feeling refreshed. I sleep like a baby. I have no aches or pains. Zero. I'm 58 and I don't have a gray hair on my head. And I have boundless energy. Get your miracle molecule in a bottle. C60 from c60evo.com slash Richard hyphen Serrett. Use the coupon code EVRS at checkout and save 10%. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. If you have a medical concern, please contact your healthcare provider. Have you subscribed to my newsletter yet? It's fast easy, and absolutely free. Just go to my website, strangeplanet.ca, strangeplanet.ca, and then click on subscribe. All I need is your email address, and that's it. Then, once a month, you'll receive my newsletter, Inner Sanctum, in your email inbox. The Inner Sanctum contains a monthly brief, a column of my analysis of the news and opinions. There's a This Month in UFO or Conspiracy History, A look ahead to an upcoming episode of this radio program. A book club. My podcast pick of the month. A spotlight on a previous guest and much more. Join the Strange Planet community by signing up for your free subscription to Inner Sanctum. Again, go to strangeplanet.ca, strangeplanet.ca and click on subscribe. It's a strange planet. Read all about it. UFOs over Canadian nuclear plants. Victor Vigiani is with Zealand News Network, Zealand Communications. And I want to get back to Larry McGuire, the Manitoba MP, who first brought this issue to the attention of the Deputy Minister of Natural Resources. What do we know about the history of Larry McGuire? Has he had a longstanding interest in, in UFOs? And what can you tell me about his staff member who seems to know so much about UFOs? Really good question. In the two conversations that I've had with his office... And, and, and I must say that this staff member that, that I spoke with uh, twice now is extremely insular about uh, uh, MP McGuire. He's, he's protecting him. He's making sure that, that Larry does the right thing, okay, and with the information. My assessment of this staff member's management handling of this issue is that he is creating an insular kind of situation where the MP, where Larry McGuire, is going to go forward only because he's getting good information from certain individuals, not because uh, he has any interest. I got no sense from the staff member that Mr. McGuire had any prior knowledge of the, of the UAP issue, any prior knowledge of you know the interaction between nuclear facilities either here in Canada or in the United States. I did did not get that sense. It, it may have occurred, but that's not the feeling that I got from this staff member. However, the strong feeling that I got, I must underline that, is that this staff member, you know, when I mentioned uh, Robert Salas, for example, in the Malmstrom Air Force Base, he, he and I chatted about it for a few minutes, so he was very well informed about that. And I mentioned a few other names, you know, uh, you know Stephen Bassett. Richard Dolan, and he had high praise for people like Richard Dolan. So if a staff member, and this is really kind of interesting as far as I'm concerned, if a staff member in the office of Larry McGuire, an MP from Manitoba, Canada, has an articulate knowledge about someone like Stephen Bassett or has high praises for someone like Richard Dolan, who is, you know, probably the, the, the best historian on the, on the UFO issue uh, in the world, and I don't want to understate that, uh, so you have to understand, I think we have to understand that um, Larry McGuire is getting quality information from somewhere filtered through this staff member. That, that's my assessment. Yeah, of it. he's one of us. I think I so. Mean, he's one of I think so. He's one of you. I mean, if nothing else were to come from this to now understand and realize that you have someone like this on the inside. I mean, of course, things happen with elections. Larry McGuire could be voted out and often, you know, the staff go with them. But at the present time, you have potentially a UFO disclosure advocate, a parliamentary assistant to a sitting MP. I mean, that's pretty significant. The, the, the implications of what you just said, Richard, are astounding, are amazing, are incredible. And uh, I, I think that that is something that we have to really kind of underscore with respect to this, because in my, in my dealings with this over the past many, many years, I have always wanted to get uh, or, or, or bring into the uh, umbra- under the umbrella a good journalist 
who has a real uh, thirst for this knowledge? And also, how can I find out someone within the, uh, the, the official government, governmental structure who's also um, willing to listen to, to information about this issue. Now, what we have is not just someone, as you just stated, who's willing to listen to this kind of information or be fed this information by someone like me or Chris Witkowski or someone else like that. This man, this individual, this young fellow, is he, he's done his own research. He's done his own thing. So, in fact, we you stated it. We have a disclosure advocate in the office of one of our members of parliament, and I cannot underscore that uh, too much. I mean, it, it's, it's astounding. It's an astounding implication of what we're hearing, and I don't think that um, uh, people are taking this 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 situation seriously enough to uh, underscore what you just said, that we have somebody inside the government who knows all about this stuff, and he's feeding it to a member of parliament. That, that That's amazing. It's almost like, you know, what what, uh, what Blumenthal and, and, and Kane and Cooper did. It's, it's this, on the same level of that, but in, in a governmental in a governmental framework. I'm going to speculate here, but I think it's pretty safe to assume then that this probably was the staff members. It was entirely his initiative. In other words, somehow he got a hold of this information from the University of Manitoba. Maybe one of his friends, a fellow UFO, or maybe he found it out on his own. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a researcher. He brought this to McGuire and said, I'd like mm-hmm. you to ask them about this. Could you do it? Right. Maybe McGuire said, oh, geez, I don't know. I don't want to use the word UAP. Can I use the word drone instead? Because right. he never mentioned UAP. He never mentioned That's once right. did McGuire right. bring up the word UFO or Little Green mm-hmm. Man or anything right. like that. He said drones, which mm-hmm. is pretty innocuous. Right. Right? A drone. So I'm just imagining that that's how, you know, the, the interaction between those two happened. And, and McGuire made a promise to this. I'll bring it up. I don't know if anything's going to come of it, but I'll mm. bring it up. And then that's the way it was left. Yeah. yeah. I watched very closely. And if um, you know, your listeners want to look at the video, it's, it's on uh, the Zealand Communication website. The, the video is uh, two minutes and 53 seconds of Larry McGuire presenting this information. And, you know, I, I, I've listened to it, what, uh, 10 times now, a dozen times. And in, in being the kind of um, the educator that I am, my, my teacher background, a body language, uh, verbal articulation, all of those things are very um, uh, meaningful messages other than what the person is saying. They could be saying certain things, but their body language and the way they articulate uh, what they're Victor, trying to say. Victor, sorry is, for the interruption. We're, uh, yeah. I'm up against the break here. Let's pick up on sure. this point when sure. we come back. Victor Vigiani, Zealand News Network, Zealand Communications, as we continue to discuss UAPs over Canadian nuclear facilities. Back with more in a moment. Stay with us. The truth will set you free. 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 But first, it will really tick you off. Welcome back to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. We're back with Victor Vigiani, Zealand News Network. And just before the break, we were talking about McGuire, MP from Manitoba. The point that I was trying to make before the break was that in listening to Larry McGuire's video presentation and being a student of body language and how people articulate this after all my years in education, I think that what people say is one thing, but the kind of body language and the tone of their articulation is, is just as instructive as what they say. And I got the sense that Larry McGuire has in some way become committed to this issue and and not just speaking on behalf of someone who pumped him with information. Uh, He didn't articulate it in a way that he said, you know, here's the script, I'm going to read it to you. I got the sense that Larry McGuire is vested in this issue in some way, shape or form, and I'm not sure exactly how. So I think one of the offspins of that or the implications of that is that he is not going to let go of this issue. I think Larry McGuire is, is, is vested in this issue and wants to move forward with it in a way that might be slow to begin with, but he may make something more of this once this gets into the uh, Department of National Defense or within NORAD. And that's just my speculation on that issue. Who initiated the meeting, the briefing between McGuire and the former Pentagon official Luis Elizondo? Don't know. 
To be really honest with you, I, I don't have an answer to that question. Now, if we want to speculate, uh, quite possibly the staff member uh, involved might have uh, been able to have a conduit through to Luis Elizondo. Don't know. Perhaps there might have been a journalist involved that might have fed uh, the, uh, the the staff member information about who to contact with respect to the uh, to Luis Elizondo's involvement in ATIP. I, 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 I don't know. I really and honestly don't know how that happened. But in fact, it did happen. Now, I, I want to drop another little minor point on you. I do have information from, once again, Dave Scott, that six members of parliament here in Canada have been briefed by Hal Putoff. And Hal Putoff is a reputable person who was involved in the start to the Stars Academy, well versed in this issue, well acquainted with Luis Elizondo, well acquainted with uh, Chris Mellon, uh, the former assistant deputy de- uh, of defense here in uh, rather in the United States. So there's a whole conduit through or a whole web of of information here through which uh, Larry McGuire might be getting his information and perhaps that's how this all happened. I want to find out more about that. And if we've not been able to get more solid information as to how these these, uh, members of parliament might have been briefed by people like Hal Putoff and and, and other individuals. Uh, And I'm saying that on speculation, uh, but Dave Scott is very clear that he knows or for some reason has found out that that MPs have been briefed by by these individuals. Do we know the timing of the um, briefing with between McGuire and Elizondo, did that happen before McGuire's question to the deputy minister in the in the I, I committee believe hearing? So. Yeah, I believe so, because that's, in, in my, to my sense of what went on, that that's what made the additional impetus behind how Larry McGuire had the uh, fortitude or the, the background knowledge to move forward. And you know yourself, I mean, you're not going to go before the deputy minister of any department in the Canadian parliament without some sort of backup uh, information or at least solid back information uh, about uh, the foundational aspects of this issue, especially from someone who's like, uh, you know, was part of the ATIP program. Uh, I think that was an extremely powerful motivating factor behind why Larry McGuire did what he did. If if, Perhaps if Larry did not have that uh, Elizondo connection, he may not have been so forceful. But I think in communicating with Elizondo, it it gave him the, uh, the the backup, the confidence to, to move forward and saying, here's what's going on, and here is what the National Defense Authorization Act has said, and why aren't we following the same kind of lead that the U.S. Senate is doing? So I think he's, he's played his cards really, really well. So in answer to your question, I th- my assessment is that the uh, Elizondo briefing occurred well before anything that uh, um, McGuire said at that committee level. Uh, you've had communications with Elizondo, have you not? Yes, I've interviewed him uh, on on our uh, one of our podcasts. Yeah, would a conversation between McGuire and Elizondo? I mean, would that would that fall under parliamentary privilege? In other words, if you went to Elizondo and said, "Hey, can you tell me what you and McGuire talked about?" Would he be able to divulge that? Um, good question. I, I I don't think there's, there's any parliamentary restrictions on that. That would be something that if Elizondo would want to share that information from someone. Uh, that he told X, Y, and Z to a member of a of a, of a foreign government. Uh, however, that uh, however Luis was uh, Luis Elizondo was contacted. I have no. I don't know how that that connection was made. Uh, I, I don't see any reason why that that's uh, under any kind of privilege at all. I mean, it's not uh, information that's that's. Uh, Secret. That's top level secret. Uh, it's just a, a briefing that he received from someone, an individual yeah. citizen. Yeah, he, he, Luis Elizondo is just a citizen of the United States. He's no longer any kind of representative for the Pentagon. It's just someone who has intense knowledge, intense background about this situation. So, um, I mean, that's, I think that's how uh, Larry McGuire interpreted whatever the whatever the context or content of that interview was, and he moved forward with it based on Luis Elizondo's experience and 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 background. It, it would also be interesting, and I don't know if the Canadian Atomic. Is it the Canadian Atomic Energy Board or what the exact title is, Canadian yeah. Atomic Energy Commission, who's ever in charge of overseeing the nuclear plants in this country? What a FOIA request might accomplish, because I'd be interested to know. We know, for example, with the, uh, the UAPs over nuclear missile sites in Malmstrom and other places in uh, the United States in 67 mm-hmm. and other dates, that you know there was a sighting in the air over the... Uh, facility and then there was something that happened on the ground uh, the, mm-hmm. the the missiles were taken offline it would be interesting right. to see when these incursions took place over canadian nuclear plants what happened in the nuclear facility what happened in the right. nuclear plant you know were any there well, alarms going off 
Excellent point. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that Larry McGuire was attempting to get at because he did um, request from the deputy minister, uh, Hannah Ford, a report on, on these these incidents. And, uh, you know, I've got in front of me uh, four of the incidents, that, which we described earlier in our conversation. Uh, Larry McGuire did request a full report from the deputy minister on these incidents. And what do you know about them, if anything? So... If, in fact, uh, these kinds of things did occur, if they were just overflights, and once again, I'm just speculating here, if there were just overflights of, of UAP being interested in Canadian nuclear facilities, as they might have been in Sweden, which was you know, well, well documented in, in um, Larry McGuire's video, they just flew over and said, oh, hello, we're here, we're here, here's where we are, just, just observing, uh, fine, that's all, that's all well and good. But if there was any influence, any fluctuations in, in, in some of the data readings, and, and I'm quite sure, Richard, that these people who man the nuclear facilities could detect even the most minute difference of readings with respect to the electromagnetic influence of, of, these, of these craft or what, you know, what happens when these craft hover and do whatever they want to do, it just even by their mere presence, not even influencing the, the, the facility itself by a direct means, by a ray or some other kind of influence, just by their mere presence, what were there any, good question for them, were there any fluctuations in the reactor's capacity of operation? It's a, I think it's a great question to ask any one of those nuclear facilities. And I think the Minister of Natural Resources has to answer that question at some point. And I might add that John Wilkinson, the, 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 the minister, the minister of, this, of the Natural Resources um, Department, was not at all involved in this so far. He's made no articulation about it. Only his deputy uh, minister has been. So th- this is something that's got to be fleshed out with respect to what might have been the influence on any of these nuclear facilities, these nuclear reactors, by the presence of these particular drones, UAP or UFOs, whatever you want to call them. Well, it's a great story. Thanks for bringing it to uh, our attention, Victor. Uh, we'll watch with interest as this uh, heats up potentially. In the meantime, we have an advocate on Parliament Hill with um, MP Larry McGuire's uh, staff member let's put it that way mm-hmm. thanks mm-hmm. so much incidentally how do we listen to the podcast and what's it called all you have to do is go to Zealand communications and uh, or google um, files of the disclosure agency fda and it's on spotify it's on uh, apple com it's uh, it's all over the place right now and i have no idea how it got all of those places but uh, it's it's there all the episodes are there we've got interviews with with danny sheehan with uh, steve bassett uh, richard dolan uh, uh, whitley uh, whitley streber all, all kinds of individuals are, are on it so i would encourage people to, to go there and to listen to it because we're really proud of of the of the productions that we've done fantastic victor thank you as always okay good night rick That's it for me. My thanks to Carlos and Ryan. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed. Nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper. Proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. If you're a fan of this radio program and the Strange Planet podcast, why not show it off by wearing Strange Planet apparel or drinking from a Strange Planet mug? Check out all the great Strange Planet merch in my Strange Planet shop. Just go to the website, strangeplanet.ca, strangeplanet.ca, and click on Shop in the menu. There's a huge selection of men's and women's t-shirts. You like crop circles or the Mayan calendar? Got you covered. Are you into the Anunnaki? Wait till you see these designs. My favorite right now, lions do not lose sleep over the opinions of sheep. And one of our best sellers right now, Truth Gets You Crucified on the front and a passage from Matthew chapter 23 on the back. So many great t-shirt designs, I don't know where to begin. There's women's leggings and tote bags and, of course, mugs. Great gifts for family and friends who listen and love this show. My Strange Planet shop. Visit today and often. Just go to strangeplanet.ca and check it out.